for White Spot Giants this week. Back come the Giants across the line. Kosh, left wing, looks, waves, finds a man. Benson scores! In he comes! Stop by David Tendick! He kept it out! Oh, mercy, what a save by Tendick! Up the middle comes Byram, right side, running at the circle, scores! Here's your host, Dan O'Connor. Good evening and welcome to yet another installment of White Spot Giants this week. The home of Vancouver hockey, home of the Giants, this is Sportsnet 650. And on the day of the NHL trade deadline, we switch gears to talk a little bit of junior hockey over the course of the next hour. I'm Dan O'Connor, voice of the Giants, and welcome to the show. Coming up in segment number two, a little later on this hour, we are going to chat with the longtime voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors, James Gallo, going to share his thoughts and observations of what is going on in the Eastern Conference. Uh, a number of Moose Jaw Warriors going to be playing in the CHL-NHL Top Prospects game a little later on this week. Uh, and there are some really intriguing playoff races taking place in the East. Uh, in the middle, Moose Jaw and Saskatoon jockeying for number four and five. And then at the bottom, there's about four teams all vying for that eighth and final playoff spot. Some really good stuff coming up in segment number two with James Gallo. Uh, also in the show, we're going to hear some coach comments from the weekend. Keith McCambridge sharing some of his postgame reaction after the weekend ended for the Vancouver Giants, which... I think by all accounts has to be deemed a fairly successful one. Uh, the Giants in their last five games have earned points in four of those five games. Uh, a big win Friday night at home against the, at the time, the conference leading Everett Silvertips. A 5-3 win for the Giants Friday, but then some injuries and, and a few factors sort of cramping their style a bit on Saturday. Be that as it may, it was an emotional victory for the Giants on Friday, and uh, they now have uh, an even bigger cushion as far as sixth place is concerned in the Western Conference. And so to kick off the show, I wanted to invite a fellow who is currently enjoying his second stint with the Vancouver Giants this season. He is a product of Calgary, Alberta. His hockey career has been anything but linear, um, but he was terrific between the pipes on Friday for the Vancouver Giants. 32 saves for Connor Martin, helping the Giants secure that victory, and he joins me on the show now. Connor, welcome. Nice to have you on the show. I appreciate getting the chance to talk to you tonight. How are you? Terrific. Well, uh, after a restful day or two for you and the team, after a, a very busy stretch of games, I can only assume that that was welcomed. But um, let's start with Friday. Uh, you get the pat on the back. You get told that you're starting for the Giants at home against the conference-leading Everett Silvertips. Tell me about the day before. Tell me about the hours before the game. How were you feeling that day? How excited? How confident were you heading into that game? Yeah, for sure. Um, I flew in on, on that Wednesday there, so I had a couple days to prepare um, for the game on Friday. That was my first home start with the Giants, so um, I felt pretty confident going to the game, and and uh, I knew that I just needed to play play the way I needed to play, and and uh, I'd be successful, and the hours leading up to the game just 
was preparing the same way as always and, and staying loose, staying relaxed and, and trying to focus up for the weekend. Um, I think the team did a great job in front of me and, and I think it paid off. Well, that game had a lot to it on Friday. The first period I thought was as good a period defensively as the Giants had played. Then you get into some penalty trouble in the second period, and you and I talked about this Friday after the game, Connor. We're going to talk about it again, but there was the one save with the 5-on-3 Everett power play that was the save of the night in the WHL. I'm sure it's going to be on plays of the week um, when we get to watch it back a little later on, but um, the arm save off Michael Goot. One more time, can you just walk me through what was sort of going on in your mind um, and, and sort of maybe even just sort of the 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 cycle the psychology of a goaltender when you make a save like that um do you even have a single morsel of time to think about it or is it just simply reacting and and getting set to make the next save what do you remember about the arm save off michael goot second period uh yeah you know i think we we got to a little bit of penalty trouble we got down to five on three um you know, I think it's just kind of one of those ones where, you know, uh, the rebound comes off me and, and goes right to the guy's stick and you just kind of got to reach for it. Um, not a ton of time to be thinking about what you're going to do. You just kind of throw your arm out there and push over and, and hope you get a good piece of it. And, and luckily I got just enough to, to throw into the corner. Um, yeah, not, not much I can, I can say about that kind of uh, just read and react play and just uh, hope you get your arm out there. I've I've often wondered this, but but you make a save like that. Um, does does the confidence sort of improve um, after a highlight reel save like that, Connor? Or or is being a goaltender all about not worrying about the 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 caliber of save? It's just like maybe a better way to phrase it for you is. Are all saves created equal, or is there sort of a, a special place in the side of your mind for a save like that one? Uh, you know, I think I try and keep myself uh, kind of an even rate, uh, like during the whole game, no matter what type of saves you're making, because you know, as a goalie, especially, you you don't want to get too high or too low. Um, I think, of course, uh, you can't really help but uh, know that you know you made yourself feel good about about having a desperation save. Um, but I think it just comes down to staying composed and, and keeping with it the whole time, whether it's a, a, a shot from the point into your chest or, or a diving glove save. I think they all you know, mean the same. It's the same. It's uh, just one more shot on the clock and just another uh, way to help your team out. We're chatting right now with Connor Martin, goaltender for the Vancouver Giants, who earned the victory between the pipes on Friday as the Giants skated to the 5-3 win over the first-placed Everett Silvertips on Friday. Um, Connor, your season has been anything but ordinary when you consider the, the stomps along the way. Um, Victoria to Seattle to Vancouver to the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and then ultimately back to Vancouver. There's sort of a lot to unpack there, but um, take me back to December when you when you joined the Giants for the first time. What were some of your initial impressions, initial takeaways? Um, what did you think of the group? What did you think of the opportunity? And what had you feeling excited about the Vancouver Giants? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I went into the office in Seattle and they, they let me know about trade and 
and I was pretty excited and knew there was a, a new opportunity. Um, I came in and the guys were great. They were a super open, welcoming group and couldn't have asked for uh, better guys to introduce me into the club. Uh, the coaching staff and the trainers and, and all the helpers around the arena were, were super great and, and very proactive in helping me uh, get incorporated with the rest of the group and the team, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, you know, I was super excited to join the Giants. So they're a great, great facility, and uh, I knew there was an opportunity there, and I was just excited to excited to join. And, and so then injuries are, are just an unfortunate part of the reality sometimes, and, and Jesper Weichmann goes down for the Giants, and, and then all of a sudden your services are, are once again required with the team. Only, you know, we talked about this a few days ago, you and I, but, but the Connor Martin who joined the team again in March um, was was a little bit different in that you were coming off um, a really solid stint with the Calgary Canucks in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. It, it sort of culminated with that six-game playoff series. As, as the underdog team, you had a wonderful series against Drumheller. Um, walk me through that experience a little bit walk me through that series and how close in your mind were the calgary canucks to pulling off that upset over Drumheller? yeah for sure you know um just going to the playoffs you know everything resets kind of an even keel and you just want to keep that mindset going into going into the first couple games here and throughout the rest of the playoffs and and i think uh uh the team and myself did a really good job of making sure we were staying composed and calm and we went to the first game with a little bit of grit and determination to you know try and steal one steal one away um to kick off the series and and we did that and took the first game which was really really big um the second game was super tight as well and we kind of bounced back and forth around a little bit in the third and fourth games and ended up having it go 2-2 um we went back to drum heller and had another close game there. Lots of lots of empty nets in the last couple minutes of, of each game, um, and then just a couple series of events in the last game, penalties, um, just a couple, just bounces, and and it was a nail biter right at the end for for the game six. But um, I'm happy with the way the team played, and they were great in front of me, and, and made my job a lot easier. And I'm proud of the determination we had to, uh, you know, come as an underdog for. Um, the playoffs against that that top one of the top seeded teams there, um, and we were close to getting away with it. But yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the, what the group accomplished in, in those six games there. So, so from there, Connor, I mean, you you go through a, a grueling series like that. Then your phone rings, and it's the Vancouver Giants once again who say, "Hey, we need you." Was there? any hesitation was it an automatic yes or was there even maybe just a single part of you that was like oh <laughs> um i i mean you, you go through a series like that and as a goaltender does that just fuel your fire more do you want to keep playing is that sort of helpful incentive for you to get on that first plane back here to keep your season going yeah for sure um i mean you know it's always unfortunate when you're coming in under relief for for an injury but um, you know, I was I was more than excited to come back and and help the team, you know, just to get a second chance almost at, at uh, continuing your season on after um, you know an emotional playoff series uh, loss to end the season. Uh, you know, I thought it was really great that I you know had another chance to come back and and continue playing hockey because you know after the after the playoff series there, you know, you definitely have a little bit of fire underneath yeah. you even after you lose. You just want to keep playing and. 
and I think uh, I'm going to be able to carry that into the games here with Vancouver and, and help out the team as best I can. Just a few more questions here for Vancouver Giants goaltender Connor Martin, my guest here on White Spot Giants this week. So before your WHL debut, before junior hockey, Connor, um, growing up, w- was goalie always your first choice? At what age and, and, and why did you fall in love with the position? Um, I remember my mom telling me a story back when I was super, super young. Uh, I think it was uh, at the intermission of the Flames game, and I was one of the little uh, Timbits guys that went out and, and did a little show, uh, one of the mini hockey games, and and I try and go go score or go up, and as soon as the puck turned over, I'd just skate right back to the net and then try and stop it. So I think it was kind of ingrained in me from a young age that I, I just wanted to be a goaltender, but... I think I switched around, uh, I think I was 10 or 11, uh, I think second year Adam is when I made the full switch and never looked back, loved the, loved the position and, and yeah, I wouldn't wish anything else for, for my career and I'm glad I chose to be a goalie, it's a great position. Who were some of your favorite goaltenders to watch growing up and I mean being in Calgary it's it's a hotbed for goaltending especially who do you work with in Calgary who's who was your goaltending mentor coach guy who sort of helped push you along and and sort of get you to the point where you are today Yeah for sure the the goalies I looked up to when I was a lot younger was uh, Martin Broder he was he was my biggest inspiration and and <clears throat> a big part of the reason why I became a goalie in the first place, and as I got a little bit older and started paying attention to more guys, Carey Price was really one of the guys that jumped out to me, and you know he helped me um, all along the path. Just watching him play and getting lots of inspiration from him is really great. And um, I've worked with a bunch of different goalie coaches over um, my career, uh, including uh, World Pro Goal, uh, Top Prospects Goaltending. That's uh, mainly who I've been using in Calgary. Um, recently for the last few years and then Eli Wilson um, I've been training with him for the last couple summers as well and he works with Carey Price so it's great to get some insight from him as well uh, one popular figure within the Vancouver Giants organization is goaltending coach Paul Fricker, who has worked so closely with, you know, David Tendick, Trent Miner, some of these recent goaltending success stories, um, you know, within the Vancouver Giants organization. Can you just speak to um, working with Paul, working with Jesper, working with Will, and working with Hutch, and, and sort of the goaltending stable uh that the vancouver giants currently find themselves with no shortage of talent no shortage of food for thought i'm sure that comes with working with those guys day in day out yeah sure the group before we got here right now is just an incredible group of guys great people great hockey players and i'm super happy to be able to work with them and of course i i haven't um spent a whole bunch of time with paul um but the time i have spent with him is been absolutely incredible i i can't even say enough good things about him and how he's helped me so far in the short time that i've been with him he's a great coach and even better mentor and, and i'm super happy to run into him on on my journey he's he's a great great goalie coach i'm super happy to continue working with him well one last sort of fun question for you connor and we'll let you carry on with your with your monday but um who is the toughest vancouver giant to stop on a breakaway um, uh, probably Justin Lee's has some good moves, um, but I gotta say probably 
Fabian Lysel. He's he's pretty shifty and and is a good skater, so he's he's pretty deceptive. It's hard to stop him. And then before we go, Connor, just a thought from you about the upcoming weekend. Two games against a team that you're quite familiar with, the Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, and then the, the third game on the Sunday against Prince George. It's a 3-3 three and three weekend. You're almost certainly going to get back between the crease at some point this weekend. But just a thought from you about that, the team, the preparation, hopefully, knock on wood, getting a couple bodies back would, I'm sure, be a welcome sight for all involved. Um, just the week leading in to this and the excitement for the weekend yeah for sure i think the team's got some great energy coming off the weekend even after the 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 loss on saturday i think the guys did a really good job with short bodies um i think everyone's you know has a good sense of calmness and and feeling good heading into the weekend and and throughout the rest of the week during practice here and and uh yeah three of three is is lots of hockey in, in a short amount of time so i think the guys are just gonna prepare well and and um yeah, I've, I've seen Seattle, and, and I'm really excited to get back in the crease against them and and uh, go with the Giants and see how well we can do this weekend. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate it. Uh, really was, was a lot of fun watching you play this past weekend, Connor, and wishing you and your teammates the, the very best in, in safety and success this week as you get ready for a busy weekend. Thank you for taking time to come on this show. I really enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate you having me out. That is Connor Martin, goaltender for the Vancouver Giants on White Spot Giants this week. That was a really good conversation, a really good interview. Well done. Connor Martin, thank you very much for taking the time to join us, and thank you very much for you know sharing your story with our audience. We're going to inch our way a little bit closer to James Gallo, the voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. But before we do that, let's hear Keith McCambridge and his post-game thoughts based on the weekend that was for the Giants, a split against the Everett Silvertips. Here's Keith McCambridge from Saturday night. It has been a taxing weekend, certainly for the... Uh, for the battered-up Vancouver Giants right now, a 5-2 decision tonight. Let's just walk through the game together a little bit. Uh, special teams, the clear theme in my mind, but but just start with an initial breakdown for me, please. Well, um, you're on the road. You want to make sure, again, you want to try to stay out of the box and not give them an opportunity to get their crowd behind them because obviously there's lots of energy in this building, so we're unable to accomplish that. But uh, but overall, then, as you mentioned, uh, the special teams back and forth with our power play, their power play, a lot of that was a big block of time that we had tonight in this game. Uh, but I will say real proud of the group. Uh, they pushed hard to the end of the game. Uh, the young guys, again, in, in a pretty heavy game here tonight, uh, continued to play the game the right way here. So proud of the group and how hard they uh, pushed through, regardless of the score. Uh, but we'll take what we took from last night's game and then uh, learn from some of the adversity that we faced here tonight. Uh, I mean, lessons come in sort of differing, you know, fashions throughout a long season, Coach. And, I mean, tonight with, with nine forwards, you lose Alex Cotton early on. I mean, that uh, a tall mountain got even taller when you just sort of shrink the bench even more. Injuries are never going to be used as an excuse. I realize that. But can you maybe just kind of speak to... Um, 
some of the challenges that just sort of accompany that. And even in a game where there are just so many power plays, a season-high nine of them, it doesn't really allow you to use your full bench how you ordinarily otherwise would. Yeah, well, um, again, you know, nine forwards. Uh, you know, We started with six, we got down to five. Uh, it's the game of hockey, it's sports. Sometimes your team is going to have to face a short bench. Every, every organization goes through it. Right now we're going through it, we have to deal with it. Uh, but with regards to using your bench, uh, the t- power play guys are going to be taxed heavily. Uh, you know, your Ostapachucks, your Lysels, your Hornings, they got some heavy minutes on the back end there, especially with uh, uh, with the amount of power plays that we had. Uh, and then you lump in just the type of game it was with the amount of penalty kills as well that we had to try to kill off. Uh, that's a lot of ice time. So now you try to mix your uh, your younger guys, your your third-line guys into that to, uh, to balance out and give those other players a rest. But there's lots of ice time to go around. But it's one of those games I'm sure you felt from the play call up here as well, Dan, that it was really chopped up with the amount of specialty. For, for sure it was, Coach, and, and I mean, I think when you just sort of examine some of the, the things that you, you, you sort of look at the weekend as a whole, with, with 11 games now remaining in this schedule, and, and from the recent stretch, Coach, of going four straight without a regulation loss before today, um, getting a chance to, to play a block of teams in the U.S., a chance to win a few games and to sort of see when the Giants are at their best, like last night, what this team is capable of. Is that sort of the bigger picture focus for this team as you sort of head into a week of practice preparing for a 3-3? Three and three? The, the goal, again, is, is to continue to keep our foot in the mix here for the playoffs uh, and play the game with the right habits, the attention to detail, the, the types of structure and types of, uh, of running that your team has to get traction with how they're playing in the game that needs to be in place in March. And we're seeing uh, chunks of that here in the games we played. You mentioned the ones down in the U.S. I thought those games when we faced some adversity, uh, we didn't splinter into individuals, which we've had a challenge with during the year. We were a lot better with being mentally tough and facing those challenges. But the details and, and little things that give you a chance to win games uh, not in place here everywhere where you need it tonight but overall as, as a chunk from the start of that uh, those games that we played down in Tri-City Spokane and Portland to where we sit now we like a lot of the things that have to give us an opportunity to keep our foot in the door and give us an opportunity to win some games during the playoffs. Coach is there anything you can tell us about the status of Alex Cotton? Uh, just uh, day to day, it's not it's not too serious. It was a matter of uh, you know he uh, he tweaked his knee. He kind of was skating backwards, bump skates with another guy and tweaked his knee. So it doesn't look like it's anything that's going to be too long term. Good to know there. Um, so now, coach, just a, a thought about sort of the week coming up. Uh, another busy weekend for the Giants, and and the hope obviously is to get a few eligible bodies back in the lineup but just a thought about preparing for Seattle maximizing rest and just sort of the the plan of attack this week for the Vancouver Giants it'll be just managing the week with making sure you know when you look at the structure of I've always liked it as uh, the beginning of the week. Again, you get a little bit of, of pace and some battle to your practice with uh, also keeping in mind that there's some uh, some guys that played some heavy minutes. The middle of the week, possibly we look at getting uh, a little bit more rest and then you ramp it up where your, your practices are shorter, 35, 45 minutes, especially here in the stretch drive in March, April, uh, and you have enough gas in the tank to, uh, to win some games around the weekend. We'll see you downstairs, Coach. Thank you for this. Thank you, Dan. We are going to take a break. When we return, we head east. We head to Moose Jaw, the voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors, James Gallo, up next as you're listening to White Spot Giants This Week on Sportsnet 650.
Utah Giants this week. Here's your host, Dan O'Connor. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to White Swan Giants this week, the home of Vancouver hockey, home of the Giants Sportsnet 650. The show continues as the Vancouver Giants gear up for what is going to be a very busy weekend, a 3-3 three and three weekend where they will play the Seattle Thunderbirds twice and they will then wrap things up with the Prince George Cougars on Sunday. Uh, but before we dive back into that a little bit, we are going to head east. And in recent weeks on the show, we've been stopping in a few different Eastern Conference grounds just to get a little bit of a sense of what is going on. And the Moose Jaw Warriors are going to be the next team in the Eastern Conference, hopefully to clinch their playoff spot before all is said and done should be fairly imminent when you look at the season that the Warriors are having. 34 wins, 21 losses, 3 in overtime, 1 in a shootout. They are 4th in the Eastern Conference standings. And, of course, we have to bring back a show favorite, a fellow who, you know what, I talked to this guy three, four times a year usually, and it is nowhere even close to being enough. The voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors and so much more. James Gallo, welcome back to the show, my friend. It is nice to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, Dan. You said it right. Uh, you know, we get, don't get to talk as much as we have in the past. It's, uh, it's well overdue. Um, it feels odd, right? I mean, it feels like two different leagues that we're playing in the Western Hockey League. It's just the geography has kind of split us down, and COVID has kind of split us. So it's the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. It feels like two completely different leagues. Well, and, and that's just it, man, because, I mean, you look at the scoring race right now in the league, and I'm seeing names like Archdeep Baines, Ben King, Kyle Krinkovic, and a little further down the road, a guy by the name of Jaeger Furkus, and we haven't been able to see any of these guys play because of COVID and the travel restrictions and sort of keeping it uh, on a conference basis. That will change next year. But sort of throwing that question back to you, when you see Logan Stankoven, when you see Cross Hannes, Bailey Peach, and some of these other names at the top of the scoring list, I mean, how, how difficult has that sort of been for you and and I guess from a broadcasting communication sort of team operation standpoint I mean hey let's not complain about the blessings we have with these games but uh, next season can't get here soon enough so that we can see Connor Bedard and Jagger Furkus and I'm sure you would love to see Logan Stankoven and you know Cross Hannes and some of these other guys as well yeah I 100% agree Dan it's just you know it's it's felt odd. You know, I talked to John Keane and Kamloops a couple of weeks ago, and, and him and I said the same thing. It's just, it feels like two different leagues, and it's unfortunate just the way that the world has worked over the last two years. I think we're just happy to, to be going the way that we are, but, um, you know, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference feel like two completely different uh, conferences. Don't even feel like they're a part of the same league. Uh, you know, when John and I were talking, uh, he admitted, you know, he hasn't watched an Eastern Conference game in a long time, and I'll admit the same thing. I haven't watched a Western Conference game, you know, in almost two years. Why? Because eight of the games are on too late, and I'm old, and I like to go to sleep late at night. 
And then secondly is, is I don't know if I'm going to see any of these teams for another year. And you're 100% right. I mean, I love stories. I love I love stories. And to me, being able to miss out on those stories are things I don't like. I mean, Logan Stan Colvin being a hometown boy for the Kamloops Blazers and, and having just an amazing season, it's tough to miss out on that. Bailey Peach, you talk about a story. You know, coming from the queue and, and doing what he's doing this year with 72 points at the time of this conversation – that's awesome. You know, Dylan Garan with the Kamloops Blazers. There's so many stories that, you know, we miss out on because we don't get to see the Western Conference teams. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, you probably won't start paying attention to out West or out East until you're in your conference final, right? I mean, because really that's when you got to start get to know those teams. But, you know, we'll do our research and get ready to go for next year. But it's going to be fun. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be nice in a sense that, you know, we'll be surprised when we see these other teams. And, you know, when you talk about the management side of things and, and the broadcasting side of things, you think about, you know, going towards that WHL trade deadline. And when you're talking, you know, amongst yourselves or with other broadcasters and you're saying, well, who's out there and who's going to get moved? You have no idea what's available out west or out east because you don't really know what's out there. Right. So, I mean, that's been tough. I think we'll get there. It'll, it'll come next season. It'll be exciting to get there. It'll be exciting you know, to see you in person, Dan, and catch up in person. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been fun here in the Eastern Conference. I'm not going to lie. I've enjoyed the Eastern Conference-only schedule. It's four-point games every night. Every night's a big night, and I love that. And I think personally, I think my family likes the fact that my longest road trip was only five days as a, compared to, you know, what it can be when you go out west. Usually for us, it's 12 to 14 days. So uh, there's cons and there's pros on both sides of, of, of the story on it. Well, speaking of the story, the Moose Jaw Warriors have had a really good season. And, and, I mean, it's one thing to sort of be an observer from the West, James. You live it day to day. But, I mean, there's a million different ways we could go with this Moose Jaw Warriors team that is currently ranked fourth in the Eastern Conference. Um, and if I were to tell you at the start of the season, James, you'd be 60 games in and you would be in the top four of the Eastern Conference standings. Um, would you take it? Is this expected for the Moose Jaw Warriors? Or is even maybe the the return to prominence maybe a little quicker than than expected for Moose Jaw? I think a little quicker than what people expected. I mean, again, you know, being around this team, um, you know, a little surprised to sit fourth in the conference right now. Um, I would have thought, you know, battling, you know, with Saskatoon and Brandon, that, that to me is no surprise whatsoever. Maybe the order... Uh, would have been different coming into the season. But the team only won eight games in the hub last year, and the roster isn't that turned over much, right? It's still a lot of the same guys. And when you go from winning eight games in a 24-game schedule to right now sitting with 34, to me that that's great coaching. Um, that's great belief by management to stick with the guys that you have. Um, it's great development, and, it, and it's a great job by the players in believing in themselves. And I remember talking to captain demon hunt after the whl trade deadline and and i asked them you know what's the mood inside the room because coming towards the trade deadline the warriors came out of that covid break they had a three and three uh they won the first one then lost two bad games against winnipeg and regina and and no one knew what was going to happen when he went to the trade deadline and i remember asking damon you know afterwards and you know he said the most important word in the room is belief because they believe they're a better team than what people think they are and as long as those 24 players and those three coaches believe that they are better than what people think they are, um, they can achieve those goals. And this is a tight-knit unit. And the fact that 
you know, Dame has kind of wrote on that's kind of sat with me. And I think this team believes in themselves, and and that's got them to where they are today. And it, and it's a great job by the players and the coaches and the management, you know, to, to believe in themselves to get to this point. They, they think they can beat any team on any given night. And all you need sometimes is just that mentality, and it can take you a long way. James Gallo does the uh, radio broadcasting and so much more for the Moose Jaw Warriors. He is my guest here on White Spot Giants this week. And James, of course, when you look at the CHL-NHL top prospects game that is coming up later on this week, the Moose Jaw Warriors are going to be extremely well represented. Uh, Denton Matejchuk named the captain for his team. He'll be joined in that game by teammate Jaeger Furkus, two players that are going to hear their names called early in the 2022 draft. And um, Ho-Hum, just, just two more NHL prospects coming through the Moose Jaw Warriors. I mean, this this organization has done very well in this regard throughout their history, both recent and past. But give us the uh, give us the skinny on these two players, please, James, and sort of what you know. What are fans out west missing by not getting a chance to watch Matejchuk and Furkus, other than your wonderful highlights? <laughs> you know what? We'll start. We'll start with Denton, and you know Denton is the first Mushaw Warrior actually to wear a letter at the top prospects game, and to me that shows the leadership of Denton. At 17 years old, uh, he wears an A here with the Mushaw Warriors. You know, last Saturday he had six assists against the Regina Pats, just the third Warrior to do that in the internet era. And you know, Denton 56 points in 57 games at 17 years old. He plays on a, on a pairing with Damon Hunt. And, you know, to me, Denton's a pro. And if I had to compare him uh, to anybody that Vancouver Giants would be able to recognize, it's Morgan Riley. And I know that's high praise. But, you know, as a guy who saw Morgan at 16, 17, and 18, and being able to see Denton so far at 15, 16, and 17, he's kind of got that build like Morgan. He's not, you know, not the tallest guy in the world, but he, he, he's stocky, skates extremely well, makes that, that, that first pass out of the zone what he has to be very crisp and very clean he's a smart hockey player um the other thing too is, is at times he gets dubbed the one-man breakout and that's kind of the way that morgan riley was he grabs that puck behind the net and denton is off to the races you know this is a very talented young man he falls in the line of of good defensemen coming out of Boostja. you think about you know guys in the far past thinking about guys like johnny boychuk but you know as of late you think about you know, josh brooke jet Wu. Damon Hunt and Denton Matejchuk is the fourth in that line to come out of the Mushaw Warriors. I would assume that he would get called in the first round of the NHL entry draft. I would hope he does. He definitely deserves it. But he also plays with a bit of edge. And, you know, he's got that snot, and I like that because, you know, he, he can hold teams accountable, which is nice. He doesn't have to drop the gloves. You know, he's not that type of, of physical player. He just plays hard, and that's great to see. And, you know, when Jagger Furkus, uh, small and skilled, and smart, very, very smart. Uh, Jagger has a very high hockey IQ. He anticipates the play very well. He can make some great passes. He's not scared to get in the corners. He's not scared to go to the front of the net. But the one thing you watch with Jagger is the way he slows the game down so that he can see the ice better. His vision is absolutely fantastic. He sees the ice very well. He, along with Braden Jagger, have been an absolutely fantastic duo to watch in the year and a half that they've been together. But, you know, Jagger Fergus, small, skilled, 
smart, and he's greasy too. So he's they're worth the price of admission of both of those two players. We've talked about this player before, you and I, James, and I want to go there again because uh, all of the, the Connor Bedard mania is extremely deserved, not going to take anything away from that, and what a treat. I'm sure it's been you know, arguably a treat to watch him put up the, the numbers that he has done. But if you look at rookie scoring, there is Braden Yeager, ranked fourth in the WHL right now, 32 goals. Uh, I remember when... I could count on one hand the number of 16-year-olds that had scored 30 in the WHL. You're talking Brett Connolly, Patrick Marlowe, Nolan Patrick, Logan Stankoven would have had the season, you know, not been shut down due to COVID. And now here you are with, you know, Jaeger doing it this year, Bedard obviously eclipsing 40. Um, just... Has has he been as advertised, better than advertised? Who does he sort of remind you of when you sort of think of NHL players? I mean, this. Tell us more about Braden Yeager, if you'll please. He's special. He, he he's a special player. I think that's the best way to describe Braden. You know, he was uh, one of the many fifteen-year-olds uh, that were allowed to play last season, and I think Braden really. Um, took advantage of that opportunity. Really got to see what it's like in terms of the pace of the play, the size of the opposition. Um, I think that really benefited Braden Yeager. Um, he's fast on the wall. He plays a 200-foot game. Um, he's only going to get better. He's 16 years old, but the way he looks on the ice, he kind of has the expectations of an 18-year-old, right? And, and they say success in this league comes off of your 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. But, I mean, you look at Musha, the three guys we're talking about, Dan, two 17-year-olds and a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And for Braden Yeager, I mean, 32 goals at the time of this conversation. Uh, he broke Theo Fleury's 37-year-old franchise record of 29 goals by a Warrior 16-year-old. He's tied Chad Hins for the most points by a Warrior 16-year-old in a season with 54. He's closing in on Braden Point for second. To get to Theo Fleury's you know, 70-plus, that'll be a tough task. I'm not too sure that'll happen, but still, you know, Braden Yeager, um, the best comparison, I remember coming out of the hub, people were asking me, you know, comparing Bedard and Yeager, and I said, for me, the best comparison that I can give is that Bedard's McDavid and Yeager's McKinnon. And that's <laughs> the way I could describe it, probably the best way. He wears number 29, Nathan McKinnon, is his favorite player. Um, you know, he's got that hard. He's got that great speed up the wall, knows how to turn that edge. Great shot off the fly. You know, works the one-timer on the power play. You know, but he understands his defensive responsibilities. And to me, that's a big thing for a 16-year-old. You know, we just saw on Saturday night, you know, against the Regina Pats, you know, where there was a broken play in the Regina zone that favored the Pats where they come up in transition in an odd man rush. And the forward coming back to the middle, breaking up the play, is Braden Yeager. And to me, he understands that part. He's only going to get better. And again, I know there's a lot of hype around Connor Berard. Trust me, Dan, it's worth it. He's a special player. But Braden Yeager is a very special player. And he he fits what a Moose Jaw Warrior is, right? I mean, he just he has that, you know, that hard work, that grind, that gear. You know, the fans are really drawn to him here in the friendly city. So, you know, again, he's going to be special. And when you think about next year, the draft next year, it's, it's loaded up in the Western Hockey League. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. There are some amazing 
16-year-old players in the Western Hockey League, then next year, NHL scouts, they might as well just take permanent residency here in the West because there's going to be so many good players for them to watch. A few more here for James Gallo here on White Spot Giants this week. Um, sort of a two-parter as far as the standings for you, James. I mean, Moose Jaw, Saskatoon, like... <laughs> How, how salivated are you thinking about that first-round playoff possibility that exists to, to sort of rekindle that rivalry? And then even if you look at the bottom of the conference, Swift Current, Prince Albert, Regina, Calgary, all genuinely in the race for that eighth-placed playoff spot, um, it's, it's crack a beer and, and fire up the popcorn time to see how that one plays out. Um, a thought from you about Moose Jaw Saskatoon, and then a thought from you about those four teams at the bottom. Is there one team that maybe you think the smart money is on to secure that eighth and final spot? Um, with regards to Moose Jaw Saskatoon, it could be an interesting series. I think, you know, the Warriors uh, will... Honestly, admit that I don't think they've given Saskatoon their best this year, and I think that's a fair statement to say. I think they've given them glimpses, but they haven't given them their best. And you would hope that their best comes up likely in the first round because that's probably what the matchup is going to be, barring you know anything happening between Moose and Saskatoon, and if Brandon is able to make up some ground. So, and I think to me that's probably the story. And, when you look at the upcoming schedule, the Warriors have the game against Saskatoon this weekend, and then they have, you know, the Blades on the road next Friday. So, I mean, is that a fair playoff preview? I don't know, because you don't know who's going to be in the lineup due to potential injuries. But, you know, I think those two games are good for Moose Judge to improve their mindset going in. Because, again, they have not given Saskatoon their best. And then when you look, you know, for even seven, like throw Lethbridge in the mix as well. I mean, they're only three points up on the Swift Crew and Broncos sitting in seventh place. You know, 7 through 11, you're 100% right. Just just kind of sit back and watch. The Regina Pats went into last Saturday in eighth in the Eastern Conference, and then just due to the way that the schedule worked out on Saturday, they dropped down to 10th. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. I think, you know, Swift Current has done a great job working their way into this position. They're a young team. They're a hard-working team. Um, the thing that goes against them is the fact that they've already played 60 games, whereas you look at the Regina Pats, four games in hand. The Prince Albert Raiders, three games in hand. So to me, you know, the schedule may hurt the Swift Current Broncos possibly, but games in hand don't matter if you don't win. That's the other thing you got to keep in, in, in the back of your mind. I think the Prince Albert Raiders have done a great job as of late, 63 and one in their last 10 hockey games. Uh, they kind of came out of nowhere, really. They had a, a, a big you know, last couple of weekends. And I think uh, that's good to see from up in Hockey Town North. Um, you know, the Regina Pats, you know, on the strength of Connor Bedard, I think, you know, they might wiggle their way in. Um, that is a definite possibility. I know they have some games against Swift Current upcoming, so those will be massive. Plus, they got a hard schedule with some games against Winnipeg still, including uh, road trips to Manitoba. And then the Calgary Hitmen, uh, boy, they've had a rough stretch because they've had a hard schedule, a really hard schedule like they were out of their building uh, I believe for an eight-game road trip and that was you know through Saskatchewan and through Manitoba at one point I believe they went you know they went uh what was it it was it was Prince Albert Saskatoon Brandon Winnipeg then Musha Regina and then back to Manitoba for Brandon Winnipeg and then they have to go home and play the Edmonton Oil Kings on a Friday night so 
I mean, schedule's really been hard for Calgary. I mean, with an edge, um, you know, you might lean towards Regina if they can use those four games that they have in hand on Swift Current. That might be the way to look. Well, James, I'll just say this uh, very unabashedly. Anybody but Prince Albert, please. Um, <laughs> l- last one, and I'll let you go. Uh, at the very, very top, Edmonton or Winnipeg, um, regardless of how the regular season sort of plays out, is there one team, like, is that literally a coin flip between those two teams, or is there something about one of the teams that just has you feeling a little sweeter on than the other? You know what? I would lean towards Edmonton, and to me it's because of the defense. Um, you know, with uh, with Kubacek, Gooley, uh, Prokop, Dalheniak, uh, those are four really good defensemen that play really hard. And to me, um, as you know, Dan, in the playoffs, things get harder, and you need to have those guys with the snot, the jam, right, to really lean on the opposition's best players, and I think the Edmonton Oil Kings may have that. And I think it's also up front. I mean, you know, Gunther and Neighbors, it's sort of, they, they, they can play a hard game. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from Winnipeg because, you know, Winnipeg, when they get rolling, they sling that puck around. Like, it's it's unbelievable to watch at times. I get caught watching it. And I'm sure the players do too because it's they're just so offensively gifted. Um, but, again, as you know, when you get into the playoffs, offense is harder to come by and if I have to give an edge for me I would give it to the Edmonton Oil Kicks. Uh, you have just set the Giants this week record for most times using the term snot in a conversation because I think I, I think I heard it twice <laughs> I love that I, I hockey yeah. terms Dan hockey terms it's like puck management home plate you might as well toss it out there right most of them hiding it so good, man. This this conversation, James, has been good for the soul. It always is when you and I get to chat, and I appreciate it. Uh, to you uh, and to the Moose Jaw Warriors organization, wishing you guys the very best down the stretch in your push to the playoffs and everything that is hopefully to come thereafter. Enjoy the Top Prospects game. Enjoy the stretch run, my friend, and you better believe that the phone will be ringing in the summer because either it's uh, either it's going to be a virtual beer or two, and I sure look forward to a face-to-face one when it can happen. Uh, great stuff, James. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Dan, again. It's always great to hear from you. It's always great to be on. Oh, West, I went to school out in Vancouver, so I really appreciate the time to, to be on the, the radio in the lower mainland. And good luck to the Vancouver Giants. And, oh, West, it's, it's a fight, too. There's some pretty talented teams out there. So good luck to the Giants. And, you know what, I'm looking forward to when we can catch up in person because the Zoom calls only last uh, for so long. So it'll be nice to catch up in person. Well said. James Gallo, voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors here on White Spot Giants this week. A big thanks to James. A big thanks to you for making this show a part of your Monday evening. We do sincerely appreciate it. I'm Dan O'Connor, and this has been White Spot Giants this week on the home of Vancouver Hockey and the home of the Giants, Sportsnet 650.